All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your roommate, Salvo veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hello, Aaron. How are you? Good. How are you doing? You were just telling me earlier that when I call you, your phone announces me. For some reason, only Clayton, guys. My phone just says Clayton Gumbert. Clayton Gumbert. So I, I, I like don't that know special, why. I like that special sort of announcement beforehand. Yes. I think it's it's befitting my, I don't know, specialness. <laughs> and then we realized that I talk to Clayton on the phone more than anybody in this world. Mm-hmm. Yep. More than my husband, more than my best friends. Like, I'm on the phone with Clayton hours every week. It is. And it's funny. Like, we've done – we've never done the Zoom. Like, we always just have done the phone. Yeah. Which is really funny because most people, when they record, they do it over Zoom. But we only do it over the phone, which is so interesting. I mean, it works for us. It works for me at the very least. I don't know how you feel about it. but No, I love it because I'm sitting here in my pajamas without a bra. I don't yeah. have to think about what somebody's seeing right now. Exactly. It's like why we shouldn't have to be camera ready for this. <laughs> we certainly are not. But also I think we, because we did – for the first year or so that we recorded the podcast, we were always in the same room physically. Mm-hmm. And then I think when the pandemic first happened, we tried to do Zoom, but it didn't work like – it was it was harder with, like, the sound and stuff. So mm-hmm. – but I think because we had also already established, like, talking together for so long, like, it, we di- we don't have that thing that I think is why – you want to be on Zoom, which is to kind of be able to judge, like, when is the other person done talking or something? I, I think at this stage, we both kind of, like, have a sense of the other one, you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Once in a while, we'll be out of sync. But, like, most of the time, we're pretty good at you know, knowing when someone's done talking. Before we get to this book that actually – I have no idea what, what Clayton thinks about it. So I am excited. Uh, so we've Recently, we've started kind of, like, tipping our hat at each other when, you know, and I kind of come in knowing a little bit of how we're both feeling about the book. Today, I'm coming in blind. But before we get to that, I do want to just – do we have any new patrons, pa- uh, Peyton? We Clayton. do. Yes, we do. You know, your phone says my name every time and you still <laughs> mess it up. It's only, I've only known you about a decade now. I'll get it. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll nail it someday. Yes, mm-hmm. we have three new patrons. We have Nancy Sue Moore. Thank you so much, Nancy. We have Alana and we have Melissa Evans. Thank you so much. Uh, for your patronage. Thank you so much for everybody who is still a patron. Thank you for people who were a patron and then gave what they wanted to give and bounced. Because, honestly, that's fine. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And so over on the Patreon, right now, we have all of our episodes of Bridgerton. Yes. All of our recap episodes. Um, so if you are interested in that, you can head over there and listen to them all. We're going to be releasing them um, on our main feed as well. I think mm-hmm. probably this week and next week, Clayton. What do you think? Yep. So okay. the – yeah. So what would it be? It would be episode five and six should be dropping this week on the main feed. And mm-hmm. then the final uh, two episodes will still be only on Patreon, but they will be making their way to the main feed very soon too. So mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, you know, we know our our listeners want to hear what we have to say about Bridgerton, although it seems like they already know from listening to the first two <laughs> installments, <laughs> especially how we feel about the Queen. So. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, what book did we read this week? This week, we finally read The Madness of Lord Ian McKenzie by Jennifer Ashley. It is number one in the McKenzie and McBride series. Um, it has been requested, I think, the entire time that we have been a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have been wanting us to read this one. There's no real reason why we did it. We just kind of never got to it. I read it a long time ago. I read it 
before I had the podcast, back when I first started reading romance. Um, and so I was looking forward to revisiting it. But before we discuss that, let's judge these covers. Okay, so the original cover, because was this published in 2009? I guess so, yeah. The original cover has a lot of text on it. It's like a big block of just, what is that, purple? Blue. Blue. Okay, I'm colorblind. Jennifer Ashley and then the madness of Lord Ian McKenzie takes up most of the cover. And then you see like a tiny sliver of Mm -hmm. uh, a sexy man's chest. And a woman in a red dress. Like they're embracing. Yes. And then the 2011 one is, uh, I guess we're in the era of the cutoff top of heads. Mm-hmm. And you've got the woman in the beautiful dress, of course, which is Beth, and then Ian embracing her. And you don't really see much of Ian. I think I like both of these covers. I like the cover more where you can see more of them. And I think you mm-hmm. can tell that th- these pictures were probably both taken at the same photo shoot. Yes. But, um, I mean, I think they're both really solid colors. I think they uh, covers, they both really kind of show you what you're getting, which Mm -hmm. is a pretty sexy romance novel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But Clayton, what was this book about? So this book was about Beth Ackerley and Ian McKenzie. So we'll start with Ian, who was thrown into a mental asylum when he was nine by his father because of his odd behaviors, we'll just say. And mm-hmm. when his his father dies and his brother Hart takes over as Duke, he lets him out. And, and at this point, Ian is 20. And so the whole Mackenzie family is kind of notorious for for different to- sorts of things. But Ian is known for having been in an asylum and his odd behaviors. And he's kind of looked at with suspicion. Beth is a woman who she was, let's see. uh, I mean, God, this woman's life. So (laughs) she was poor and then was married to uh, uh, a man for uh, Thomas Ackerley. A vicar. A vicar for like only a year And then he died of a fever and she was heartbroken. Like she was actually in love with him. And then she starts taking care of Mrs. Barrington, who was a woman who had, you know, no one else to take care of her. And when she died, she left Beth a ton of money. And so Beth has all this money and doesn't know what to do with it because she was always working, always poor. She didn't know, like, what do I do with all this stuff? And she gets engaged to Sir Mather, who was a scumbag. And Ian says as much to Beth when they're at the opera and then asks Beth to marry him immediately upon first meeting. She says no, but then uh, she dumps Mather and then later they're in Paris and she runs into Ian and then they start an affair. But then also... There's this guy, uh, Detective Lloyd Fellows, who thinks Ian is a murderer and is obsessed with <laughs> the Mackenzies and really wants to nail Ian specifically, but all of them in general. He hates them. So anything bad that happens to them, he wants, he's, he's all for. So that's like the crux of the story. Obviously, Ian is not the murderer, spoiler. And there is a big twist at the end with who Lloyd Fellows actually is. And we'll talk about that later. But that's basically the book. Oh, and also, I mean, Ian has what we would call Asperger's now. But I guess here's here's a little uh, like just up front, I want to say like neither – Clayton or I are particularly, or I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not well versed in autism and no, like the, the proper ways to say things and the proper ways to 
to to talk around it and what things mean. I've heard that like you shouldn't say Asperger's anymore because the doctor Asperger was a Nazi. <laughs> so okay. I think it's just like autism. I, anyway, Clayton and I are going to obviously say our best, the utmost respect. That's where we are coming from this place. And we're also going to be talking about the book it, as we relate to it within the book and not the broader conversation around autism and how it presents and what it means and what it means in modern society. So um, n- not to say that we aren't open to being corrected. And if we do say something and you want to write us uh, and, and let us know that that maybe wasn't the right thing to say or we should have considered something differently – like we said before, we're open to that, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to say up front, we are in no way <laughs> authorities. No way is is what we're saying going is is the definitive thing that should be said. Um, but we're we're going to be talking about it just kind of how it relates to this book. Yes, Would and you, if I yeah, and if I did use that term, I that was only what I saw in some reviews and things like that talking about yeah. this book and that and i think that's outdated. also like very recently it, 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 people have said to stop to kind of get away from that sure but, yeah. yeah and again so. it's uh, if i misspoke obviously it's there's no i'm not i'm not meaning to offend so i mm-hmm. and and like you know as you said we we know very little about it uh, I mean, mostly what we know, mostly what I know is from what is, you know, shown in the media. I have had, I've worked with people who ha- have been autistic, mm-hmm. but everybody's so different. Exactly. So I can't peg all people as one sort of entity in this. Mm-hmm. We can only really talk about how Ian behaves. Exactly. And, uh, uh, but I mean, I will say I... I, again, no experience in autism, but I am, I guess, technically neurodivergent because I do have Tourette's. Yeah. And that is something that I sort of related to Ian in a few cases about, not to Mm -hmm. equate things, obviously, but no, but I mean, yeah, if, there, if it there, mirrors your experience, it mirrors your experience, you know, there was a level of, 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 I guess, what was a good term? Uh, I had it and then I lost it. But um, <laughs> reverber—it was not reverberation. It's like resonance. That's what it was. Yeah. And I'm going to edit it so that I came up with it right off the top of my dome. <laughs> There's some resonance there. You guys know I'm not going to edit it. Uh, there's some resonance. I always just like to keep warts and all usually. Yeah. But there is some resonance there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, sorry to derail if you had a thought that I just – but I just I, – I remember that I wanted to say that kind of up front because I know obviously it can be sensitive. No, it can be a sensitive it, subject. But yeah. Th- that's totally important and mm-hmm. needs to be said because I think – and hopefully listeners who have listened to us for a while – know this but new listeners because this is a big book it's an important book for a lot of people and they may listen in Mm -hmm. and it's important for them to know that that we are not by any means trying to be authoritative and i think everything that we say is coming from a place of trying to understand as opposed to well this is what i know because listen i don't need to be an expert on everything and the reason i do this podcast is because I want to learn and I want to be exposed to different ways of thinking and different types of of uh, uh, characters and things. And so that's why we did this book. That being said, Clayton, what did you think of the book? I, I liked it a lot. I really yeah. liked this book and I, I kind of get the hype. Like I understand yeah. why people liked it so much. And... Ian is such a passionate, interesting character who is, I mean, you know, you love angst, right? Of course. And this book is angsty. Mm-hmm. But you get that understanding of why it's so difficult for Ian to 
have love and admit that he can be loved and all those things that I think we personally love in our heroes. And Beth is such a sex positive heroine, which I know you're a big fan of. Mm -hmm. And I am as well. Like she had a passionate love affair previously. She likes sex. She's not some sort of wilting flower. And I think together, the two of them were really awesome. Yes. Well, like I I had read the book before, I mm-hmm. and years ago now, and I l- remember liking it. Like when people would bring up the book, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's like a good book." And then I reread it, I was like, "Oh no, this is a fantastic book." Mm-hmm. And I think it could also be just I've read so much more romance now. I obviously always have an immense amount of respect for the genre. I think it's like incredibly difficult to write. Um but the way that this book it manages to handle not only just uh, the love story to passionate people who feel like actual human beings falling in love. You understand what the difficulty is in their relationship. You don't feel 100% secure in their relationship until the end. But is also able to weave in this mystery where basically these two sex workers have been murdered five years apart both times like Ian and his brother Hart were in the vicinity when they died so Inspector Fellows is obsessed with this idea that they killed these women and it yeah. honestly looks like they killed the women exactly <laughs> a lot of the I had already read the book I obviously knew that Ian wasn't going to be a murderer and I knew that Hart wasn't going to be a murderer because I knew he was like the hero of his own book mm-hmm. but I was just like what the hell? It's like they did it. Like, this is scary. And like when Beth is making the decision to just blindly believe Ian, Mm -hmm. you're not, I I wasn't on board with her because I was like, girl, it seems like this man maybe killed somebody. (laughs) And he doesn't even remember if he did it or he he will not say he didn't do it. Right. And, and it's because Ian has this very high sense of morality and he's mm-hmm. kind of like, I can't say that I didn't do it. I can't lie about it because he feels like in a way he might have caused it. Yes. Yes. So, but to be able to weave a mystery story within like a very good romance is very hard. Mm-hmm. And a lot of really great writers try it and fail and and Jennifer Ashley is obviously, I would consider her a great writer as well, but she so succeeds with it that you are as interested in the love story as you are in the mystery. Well, I, I, I think she also does a good job of juggling all the different brothers mm-hmm. in a way that some books don't. Like they obviously all are going to, because this is a series, so they're all going to get their own books. But I think there is a, a a hook for all of the brothers to make you want to know what's going to happen with them next. Yeah, and they all feel like different people. And that's mm-hmm. hard to – because it's not like we spend a ton of time with Mac or Cameron or even Hart. But you 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 understand who each of them are Yeah. Um, through, like, not a ton of interaction with them, which I think is also, like – really well done i think and isabella too who's wonderful um so is is this is is this the earliest anybody has proposed marriage in any book we've read yeah i think so it would have to be right yeah because this is basically like the first time he meets her i I love the – so Ian is obsessed with collecting Ming bowls. He loves, mm-hmm. like, the porcelain. And it's so funny because at one point Beth is like, oh, what about vases? And he's like, uh, it's completely different. I, why are you even bringing up vases? Yeah. <laughs> um, And so he has this collector that he thinks is an, an utter idiot. And so then when he uh, finds out that this guy is getting married, he's like, well, let me go see if he's marrying a woman who's who's not worth anything – then mm-hmm. that's fine. But if she is worth something, then I have to stop her, stop this and let him know. Because yeah. he doesn't know when he has a good thing. And then he basically meets Beth and immediately is like enamored by her. And is like, actually, yeah. you should marry me instead. Yeah. Well, because uh, it's uh, uh, Mather, uh, Sir Mather is the guy who he, you know, who at the beginning of this book is talking about how bowls remind him of breasts. Yeah. 
And uh, Ian's like, yeah, uh, that's probably, you know, thinking to himself, like, yeah, no girl wants to hear that. So, like, you're a fucking weirdo, dude. You know, <laughs> like, it's so funny how Ian is such a straight shooter. And in a way that, he, you know, you always uh, people, uh, there's so many people that you run into that are like, well, I'm just I'm just honest and I'm just blunt. And it's like, no, you're just a jerk. Like you literally are an asshole and it's a bad trait. Like you can be honest with people without saying, oh, I'm going to give you the truth. I'm always going to I'm going to always tell you what I think. It's like, well, what you think isn't always the truth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there was something about Ian that he could just state matter of fact things and you didn't hate him for it. Right. Well, I think a lot of times those people who are like, I just tell it like it is, mm-hmm. are sometimes and often the most least perceptive people I've yes. ever met. Where it's like, mm-hmm. you actually never realize what's actually going on. Or the things you're saying are just cruel for cruelty's sake. And I think with Ian, because he doesn't have the ability to bullshit and he doesn't have the ability to not kind of see things for what they are. Like he doesn't kind of add flourishes to things. He he's able to just kind of like think things pretty plainly and, and see things exactly for what they are. So like when he mm-hmm. meets somebody who's like, this guy's a dope, you're like, he's probably a dope. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think it's the earliest that, and something, you know, a lot of times I'm not drawn to kind of the insta lust or the insta love mm-hmm. stories because where do we go from there? Yeah. But I think this was so good because, like, Ian is obvious. I mean, like, Ian doesn't say it till the end of the book, but, like, he's very much, like, pretty much falls in love with Beth immediately or very yeah. quickly. And Beth falls in love with him fairly quickly. Like, she's into it from when he pulls her into the box. Mm-hmm. She's into him. And um, so being able to continue a full book after that stage and and have there still be these stakes is really good. Because then Beth flees to Paris and we spend a lot of time in Paris, which I love. And uh, he follows her there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing is like making it so early – that we know there's something between them gives more time to the kind of unraveling of him in the sense of figuring out what's his deal and what's up with this murder and all these different threads that lead them to finally being able to be together. You know, Mm -hmm. it really does just like get us off to a shooting start as opposed to let's do 50 pages of Ian Jest looking at his vase i'm not his vase his bowl collection you know like they really get you in very quickly which is the sign of a very i think a very good book oh i mean the opening line of this book is fantastic it Mm -hmm. hooks you from then and then yeah you're good to go they have they have a ton of sex in this book like you said which is fantastic yes there is a runner of Beth wanting Ian to look her in the eye and that only happening very rarely. Yes. Yes. But then he does sometimes and he tries, you know, yeah, I'm trying to, I mean, other than just like me being like, this book is fucking fantastic. They, they travel around. So they're in Paris and they, that's when they kind of meet Isabella and Mac. And they also do a great job or Jennifer Ashley does a wonderful job of kind of planting the seed for the next book because I uh, immediately want to read Isabella and Max's book. Even mm-hmm. though I have read it before, I don't remember it. You don't remember it. So, um, you know, and, and kind of see like how they end up getting together too. And I think it's, that's really difficult to do as well. And I think Beth is also one of the great heroines in that, she came from such a difficult background. Like she had been in a workhouse and then her mother had died and then her husband dies and then her benefactor or her like employer who she was very good friends with dies. Mm -hmm. And Beth never seems to lose who she is as a person or kind of that spark or like a level of positivity that I think is very hard to maintain. And talking about when, you know, that they get together or they're so attracted to each other so early I think the thing that makes it so interesting still is like how far apart they are from each other emotionally. 
Like mm-hmm. who Beth is fundamentally and who Ian is fundamentally. And it's a, an entire chasm that they have to overcome in order to be together fully. And and, yeah. fe- and have the other one each feel secure in that relationship, which is obviously what we're going for. Mm-hmm. And that happens so subtly and that happens kind of over time in a way that doesn't feel laborious, but feels kind of like magical and natural of them getting closer and closer together and starting to believe the things that the other one says um, is what makes the book so wonderful. And then, you know, Beth kind of decides that she single-handedly wants to clear Ian's name mm-hmm. <laughs> from fellows, fellows who also proposed to Beth. I think Beth must be, is the hottest thing going because yeah. she's getting proposed to every time she leaves the house. Yeah. Um, but she, you know, the the last part of the book, which turns into kind of more of a, like a little bit like of a noir, like a little bit campy, um, and that we find out that Hart's ex-girlfriend kind of kept mistress is the one who murdered one of the women. And then and, th- yeah. and then that, that woman murdered the other one because they were in an affair. They were having an affair and the one was blackmail gonna blackmail heart but then cut her girlfriend out of the deal so she so the girlfriend murdered her and then later heart's current girlfriend murdered the girlfriend of the dead girl <laughs> yeah it was like very confusing um but that woman kind of kidnaps beth and stabs her and then we get a prolonged sick bed scene which was wonderful yes, too. Taking care of you. That's that's one of your favorite tropes of, of Oh yeah. It was know, like she two, has a fever and yeah. doesn't look good and he's gotta take care of her. And it's yeah, we love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And multiple times he asks Beth, like, what does love feel like? And Ian is kind of obsessed with this idea that he can't love. Yes. Because of what they call in the book his madness. Obviously, mm-hmm. we wouldn't call it madness now, but that's how he frames it is is because of his madness he's incapable of love which isn't true obviously and is also like you also grew up in a in a situation where you watched your father murder your mother and were put in asylum where you were tortured for years yes so i would say that might have something to do with the emotional stunting as well mhm but um he's obsessed with this idea that beth loved her husband her first husband so much and, and you know they'll never have love between them and he and he kind of asks Beth all the time you know what does love feel like and she's like trying to explain but it's one of those things that's very difficult to explain yes and then when Beth is in the bed dying he asks her if this is love because he like he's like I hate this feeling (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's that's so beautiful too it's so good guys it's just so good and I feel like we're not I don't know what else to say about the book than that you know yeah, I think it's a book that you have to read to experience. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's a dumb statement to make, but <laughs> I think uh, I think it's it is one of those things that it is hard to describe because it's done so well when it could have been done so poorly, <laughs> you know. And I oh, think because we've read this book done bad before, and it's mm-hmm. awful, and it's yes. a slog. Yes, and this by no means is a slog. And I do think it it does do a good job of, you know, when you are able to put this, when, when these kind of things can be brought up in the context of this time as opposed to current times, mm-hmm. I do think there's some power to it that gets lost in a contemporary you know, mm-hmm. and I I do think that I'm glad that we read this instead of trying to read a book that tackles these issues in a contemporary fashion. Well, we did read a book, a contemporary, where one of the uh, heroes or yeah, one of the main characters had autism and the, the kiss quotient. The kiss quotient. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which was a book I we read very early in this journey. Yeah. And I think we both liked. I loved it. I thought it was a wonderful book. 
Yeah, but I don't remember. It it hasn't stayed with me mm-hmm. other than I think the main character, the main her- hero's tattoos turned me off. Remember, we had a yeah, conversation because I'm not a tattoo guy. Yeah. So Ian has no tattoos, which is a positive. <laughs> and uh, no, but uh, but yeah, I, I do think that this and it's like it is difficult to talk about this book, like you said, because we are not experts. And if somebody who is autistic reads this book and is wildly offended by it, that's their right. I don't I wouldn't know. You know, I don't know whether or not that would be the case. Sure, there's people who are upset about a lot, you know, who who would be more upset about certain things than others because it's just how things hit you, you know? Yeah. I do think in general this book has been called out for having, like, a very strong, like, disability rep, you know? Good. That's I'm, – I'm, I'm glad, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would just say this is definitely a book that if you haven't read, you definitely should read it. 100%. Yeah. It's it's just such a well-done romance, and we've been reading romance for so long now that I feel like when it's bad, it's tough, and when it's good, it's transcendent. And I think this is, like, transcendent. This is, like, Kingdom of Dream style, like, the amount of work that it's doing and how interesting the book is and how much it balances without ever feeling the effort like you never feel like it, it feels it's like not this sweaty book, no and it feels like this book just poured out of her which i'm sure it didn't <laughs> yeah oh, it's, yeah laborious yeah. i'm sure it's so easy to read in that you just want to keep coming back and you're constantly pulled in and, and constantly engaged and the writing is so strong and the characters are so strong. And the reason and this book has was recommended to us a million times for a reason. And this is a book that I think like everybody should read. It's just like phenomenal. It's so good. You know what the thing is too about it is that it doesn't, it's not a lot of books are. I want to write a book with a protagonist that has X or mm-hmm. is X. And then everything is driven from that where it's that is the most important thing. And it's like yes. in a romance, the most important thing is the central relationship mm-hmm. and the romance. And Jennifer Ashley knows that and does that as somebody with Tourette's. Yeah, I I feel like, I mean, if you were to describe me or talk about me, would that even come into the conversation at any point? Right? Do I mean, mm-hmm. a, a, honestly, like, do you even remember that I have it? No. Right. No, I do, like. Yeah, it doesn't come up. And if I were describing you to somebody, I I I, it, I doubt I would bring it up. And I think that's why I love this book so much, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's how it feels. It feels like somebody like myself, if I, you know, like in a romantic situation, like it's an element of who I am and it does inform how I act and what I do, but it's not, it's not the thing that makes me me you know what i mean it's hard to explain but it's like he's such a fully drawn character and i would like to always be a fully drawn character and never be just oh he's a guy with tourettes which i'm not to anybody who knows me do you know what i mean and it's just also such a reductive because I feel like if I did, if I was like, oh, I host a podcast with Clayton, he has Tourette's, it would really tell you nothing <laughs> about you. It would say nothing about me. Absolutely. It'd be like, yeah. and then it'd be like, well, is the podcast about Tourette's? <laughs> no, no, of course not. It's about Roman yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think that that can be the issue sometimes that we have with contemporaries. And we're not talking about the kiss quotient, but just other ones that we've read or other books that we've been pitched that it it just seems like the focus is too much on that aspect and not like here's this person and here's this person. And that's great. If you're looking for representation, obviously, listen, 
listen, I don't know why I told you to listen because we're on a podcast. Why would you not be listening? It's like, <laughs> Pay attention. It's like you're on your phone. This is, this is important. All the rest of the time you can be on Pinterest or wherever, whatever you're doing. On Pinterest. But, <laughs> the rest of the time you can be in 2013. But now yeah, I need exactly. you here with us in I don't know. Kids too. are back on Snapchat. So I don't know what's up with <laughs> Pinterest at this point. But uh, and now that I said that, I don't even remember what I was going to say. I honestly just co- completely lost it. What I was going to say. Oh, God. See? I completely lost it because we were talking about what? Contemporaries? We were talking about contemporaries. We were ta- Oh, if you want disability rep. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So. I I think that it is important to obviously to see people like yourself in yes in pop culture because pop culture is our culture. We can no longer we can no longer lie and act like families are how we model ourselves anymore. It's like we model ourselves after cult, pop culture, right? I mean, it's just been that way for so long because mm-hmm. communities are dispersed, all these we won't even get into that conversation. People model themselves after pop culture. And with that comes needing to be able to see positive role models that are similar to you, right? But I would much prefer if somebody was to write a a, a romance about someone with Tourette's, that it be in the back of, you know, it's not the forward thinking, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's I don't want the romance to be called what makes him tick or whatever, right? Like, <laughs> actually, that's a great title and I'm going to use it. But yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that's cutesy and whatever, but it's like, give me a fully fleshed person, you know, give me just because this person has this thing, like just because a character has Tourette's doesn't mean I'm going to be invested in that person. They have to be a fully drawn person with wants and needs and and there has to be some tension, right, involved in it, like in the romance. And it can't just be, well, I have Tourette's, so that's the thing. It's like, well, what are the other things? What What are the other things about this person? You know, that would be my thing is like, I want to be represented, right? But it's got to be quality. It can't just be like, oh, yeah, that guy, yeah, he, he like ticks and swears and stuff, which barely any of us do. And, mm-hmm. uh... And yeah, but he falls in love. Isn't that great? You can fall in love too. Like, no, well, what else is going on with this cat? You know, like, that's what I'm saying. And that's why, and that's a long way of saying, like, I think Jennifer Ashley does a really, really good job here. She, Yeah, this book is really, it's just phenomenal. And it's, it's what you want in a romance too. And that there's like adventure and there's tons of angst and longing and hot sex and a sick bed scene. Yeah. Um, So many great tropes, bad dad, very bad dad, very bad dad. Uh, And the and a heroine who is like headstrong and doing her own thing and will try to move mountains for the person that she loves and it it's just like delightful and it's delightful to read and it's so much fun. And if you are one of the very few people <laughs> who have yet to read The Madness of Lorraine E. McKenzie, I would say d- don't make that mistake any longer and go ahead oh, and pick it up. And, and uh-huh. detective and the detective turns out to be a half brother. Ah, love it. I mean, I totally forgot that habit. And then at the end when she reveals it, because she. <laughs> it's she so. Yeah. Oh, she's been sick. And then she and Ian, she jerks Ian off and then it's like, oh, Detective Fellas is here. And Ian's like, cool, I don't want to get dressed or anything. And she's like, all right, I guess not me either. Yeah. Because <laughs> these two are fucking and they don't care who t- knows it. No, they don't. And that's, that is the main thing you need to know about Beth and Ian. Mm-hmm. So then he comes in and she's like, oh, bring me my box, she says to Katie, to her, like, um, her maid. And she comes in with like a... <laughs> like a box of costumes and i'm yes. like where in the world is this going and he, she puts on like a fake mustache she's like see doesn't he look like your dad now and i'm just like what <laughs> that is so funny <laughs> and i was like at first i was like wait is she gonna try to like reveal him as like a like a crossdresser and that's gonna i'm like that's not cool if she's trying to like shame him for his sexuality yeah. But no, she just was like, here's this fake beard I got at some stage while I've been passed out from a stabbing for the past two weeks. And 
And then he admits it, that his the reason why he hates the McKenzies and he so wants the McKenzies to be the ones who committed these murders is because they're his brothers and he feels like he should be the Duke. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love Fellows is trying to be this villain and being like, well, I hate you and I should have had what you had. And Hart's like, yeah, man. I mean, it's not great being me. So like, yep. I don't know why you want to be me. I can't really do anything about it. But like, do you want your mom to have a new house? Because like, I can do that. Do you want like money? I could like tell me what you want. (laughs) And it's so funny because it's like we had to deal with our dad. You didn't. Yeah, exactly. Like we're jealous of you, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So now I guess he has his own book in this series. Does yeah, probably. I don't know, actually. I think he does. I think he I think he ends up having his own book, which would be very interesting to read because he's such a like sputtering villain in this, you know? He's but such he doesn't a, like, actually do anything like that bad. You know what no. I mean? Like, he is trying to get them. But I'm like, again, it does seem like they probably committed these murders. Yes. It, he has every. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yes. I'm not like this is crazy that he is thinking this. I'm like, I'm happy he's this concerned about the murder of a sex worker. Yes. They would definitely be the prime suspects, obviously, because the yeah. what ha- ends up happening is so crazy that nobody would be like, well, of course, it's going to be Hart's <laughs> mistress kills the one. Uh, and then the other one kills the other one. It's like nobody's going to think of that right off the top of their head. Right. You almost had to be Beth who was like, I am removing the possibility of Ian and Hart from this situation. And now where are we? Yes. You know, now, like, what's the least let's what's a less <laughs> likely uh, culprit? Exactly. So like that fellows, I mean, like I understand him being upset with them. And I also understand him thinking it was them because like, honestly, I thought it was probably them for a little bit, too, because I was like, this is crazy. This definitely this is it seems like they did it. Um, And and that's a good book when you know for sure that they didn't, but you still think they did. Exactly. Yeah. The the mystery was able to unfold in a really good way that kept you constantly engaged and surprised when something new was revealed, but mm-hmm. still felt authentic. It wasn't like it didn't feel like Jennifer Ashley was 80 percent through the book. She's like, God damn it. Who killed these people? It, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like she kind of knew the whole time. How can I get a beard into this? <laughs> I, need a box I mean, that was just so beards. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, oh, big question, because I know you're on yeah. a time crunch here. So we got yeah, to wrap this up. Would you fuck them? I was like thinking about this and I honestly know. But because Ian is so intense with Beth, I feel like that's a lot of energy. Okay. I don't know that I could handle that much energy coming at me. Hmm. That's it's a like great... He, yeah. Yeah. You know the TikToks where it's just like some burly man in the woods chopping wood and women no, are like I don't okay. know the TikToks. I know well, no TikToks. Okay, old man. So but like Old man, am I supposed to <laughs> if I said I watch TikTok five hours a day, you'd be like, You're a fucking sicko, dude. You're hey, an that's old man. A lot. Of time to have disposable to watch TikToks. It is um, a good thing that this old man is not on TikTok. You would be obsessed. I would not be obsessed. It's all 17-year-olds dancing. I don't it's, need to watch that. Okay, it's not. Your For You page is customized to you. I get no teenagers dancing because that's not something I'm interested in. I do get lumberjacks chopping wood. And I do have to say, the amount of energy coming off these men, all these women are in the comments, like, just emojis of, like, water and shit. And I'm like, I couldn't handle this. Yeah. (laughs) This is too much for me. And that's how I feel about Ian, too. Uh, It would be too much. It would be too intense. I agree that, like, physically, I mean, if you wanted to just carnally say, of course I would fuck them both because they're both hot. But no, yeah. yes, if we're talking about the realisticness of what would I be in a relationship with them? I, I agree. He'd be he needs somebody who can reciprocate and like understand that sort of passion. And I would have a hard time with that as well. And Beth has had such a hard luck story that it's like, am I really going to, you know, strap her with me? I don't think so. <laughs> 
Beth, I mean, Beth obviously is beautiful because she can't stop getting proposed to. And mm-hmm. I think Ian also found the perfect person who is somebody who's like 100% always down to fuck because they yes. are constantly fucking in places where I'm like, guys, this is a public street. I mean, nothing yes. that extreme, but like they're cool to fuck wherever they are in that moment. And mm-hmm. they're both 100% down for it. But he found somebody who's like as horny as he is, but also just does not take anything personally and lets everything roll off her back. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, you found the person for you. Like each and of you we'll, found the other one. And we'll joke with him even though he doesn't understand jokes and it's not done in a cruel way. Yeah. Like she jokes kind of herself and he understands that that is a joke. Yes. Well, you know, which is what all, I guess all of any of us could ask for. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, when I'm joking around with people, it is genuinely only for myself. Yes. Okay. Let's do Goodreads list. So this was on 12 pages of list. So guys, obviously, I this is such a small sampling. Mm-hmm. Steamy historical erotica. Not erotica. Right. Because I feel like erotica has much less of a story. And this is like a lot of plot. There's a lot of story here. But I will say... Very good sex scenes. Very good sex scene, but it's not erotica, so take it off the list. Brain Candy Reads. Uh, smart read, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess so. Uh, books with Disabled Protagonist. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's a, st- is that, that's a sticky thing. I mean, is that a sticky thing to say? Disabled? I don't know. Right? I mean, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't want to be referred to as disabled. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if that I don't know if that's right. I would say don't put it on the list. I would say change the name of that list, maybe. Yeah. I don't Fish know. out of water romances. Yes. Historical romance, heroine, too stupid to live. Why would why, why do you think that STL or TSTL? Is that what it is? TSTL, yeah. too stupid to live? Do you think Beth falls into that? No, I don't. I mean, I think I I think it could be around her her like dogged attempts to like to to clear Ian's name. Mm-hmm. So I think it comes from a very noble place, and also it's like like she says all the time, like she grew up in workhouses and she grew up in these like seedy areas of town. So it's not like she's without wiles, and mm-hmm. I think. When, obviously, she gets stabbed, I think that was kind of, like, not necessarily her fault. And she does do a great job of, like, knowing that eventually Ian will find her and trying to keep uh, Hart's girlfriend uh, with her as long as possible so that they would find her. So, like, I don't agree with this list, but I found it interesting that she was on the list, so I figured I'd add it just to see. Yeah, I I don't agree with it. I I, I wouldn't put her on the list. No. And then another strange list, unlikable female leads. I found Beth eminently likable. Yeah. You know, email us if you found Beth to be or, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want. If you found her to be unlikable, because I don't agree with this list. I don't think she should be on this list. I like I think she's one of the great heroines. I really loved her. I thought Um, she was awesome, too. So I don't get it. Yeah. Best Highland slash Scotland romance novels. Yeah. Scottish. Scars are sexy. Books with imperfect, disfigured, disabled heroes. Um, uh, I mean, imperfect. Same as the list above. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like, yeah. Where do you put? It's so funny to throw all that stuff in together. <laughs> but I think the thing too is like this list is basically like there are so many books, and the hero is like impossibly handsome and impossibly good and impossibly yes. powerful and impossibly rich, and like. You know, sometimes that's the book you want to read. And sometimes you want to read it like, okay, well, let's read somebody who maybe isn't all of those things. Yeah, I get it. I think, yeah, I think the spirit of this list is not malicious. So I therefore I think that it it could go on this list. Tortured heroes of historical romance. Oh, he's tortured. Brainy genius romantic heroes. Yeah, he's very smart with, I mean, he's like, can memorize stuff. And he, he like, he's he's very, very smart. Yes. Beauty and the Beast. I would say yes, because he thinks of himself as a beastly person in a way, right? Yeah, and I think Beth is obviously very beautiful. And I think that Ian kind of wanting to 
take her way. And I think it's obviously within the relationship, it's not that. But I think outside looking in, I could understand why people would view it that way. Mm-hmm. Best romance series. I haven't read the rest of the series, but I, it's off to a good start. Yes. The other book that I love, and I forget the title of it, but it's Daniel, who is Cameron's son. Obviously, he's a grown up. And he goes about trying to um, expose a fake psychic mm-hmm. during like the spiritualist movement. It's really Oh, fun. that sounds great. Yeah, it's so good. Um, so you love a bad boy or tortured hero? I, he's a bad boy. They think he committed murder. Yes. Historical romance, marriage of convenience slash arranged marriage. We didn't even talk about this. <laughs> yes, that they do actually get married to protect yeah. her. Isabella goes to a casino and takes Ian and Beth because she wants to kind of like maybe see her husband who she's estranged from at the casino. Great plan. Great diabolical plan by Isabella. She must be a Leo. And Mm. the casino gets raided. And so Beth and Ian go to like a hotel. They end up having sex that night. It's great. And then the next morning, Detective Fellows is outside ready to arrest Ian on kidnapping charges because like they he saw people saw him drag Beth from the casino. Obviously he wasn't dragging her. He was trying to like get her to safety. Uh and so one by one just more and more people end up coming into the room and Beth is just kind of like, what's going on? And then a and then a priest comes mm-hmm. and she's like, oh God. And then they get married just in that little room in Paris. And I love it. That's great. Villain as romantic love interest. I mean, I think that's uh, about the fact that he may be a murderer. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I would does, agree with that. Like steal her away from her fiance. I mean, not that she was like so pumped to marry that guy, but. Yeah. Fine wine heroines older than the hero in romance. Yeah, I guess that's true. She is older. It, I Yeah, I like that she was 29 because sometimes – heroines have these insane backstories and then it's like and she's 22 and i'm like what it's I'm a like, lot she to needs- pack into a life yeah yeah exactly that's that's a crazy amount and she there's no way she's processed anything where it's like her being i think she's 29 you're like okay i get that all of this could have happened and you have some space with it mm-hmm. best romance series following families again haven't read the whole series but it's it's a good start Dangerous commitments, hero or heroine committed to asylum, gaslighted or questionable sanity. He was committed. Yep. Fresh scent of pining hero. Uh, You had to end with that one. Yes, of (laughs) course. Of course. Love that. Whoever came up with that list, come on the show. Oh, yes. Please, please. Um, All right, Clay. That was a sampling of the Goodreads list. Uh, What are your tropes? Well, neurodivergent hero, age gap, bad dad, of course, marriage of convenience, also sick bed, because mm-hmm. she's on the sick bed and he nurses her back to health, uh, Scottish hero, and uh, murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Those are my tropes. Aaron, what are yeah. your tropes? Sorry. Uh, I have older heroine, neurodivergent hero, widow heroine, suddenly married, just like a, a wedding. I don't know what to call that, but it's like a, a wedding happens all of a sudden out of nowhere. Spontaneous wedding. Spontaneous wedding. That's better. Spontaneous wedding. Uh, married for protection, Scottish hero, heroine from wrong side of the tracks. Uh, a lot of the book takes place in Paris. A marriage to keep you safe. A road trip romance because they're they're moving all over the place constantly. Mm-hmm. Hero could be a murderer. Love on the run. They're chased by the law, so they are constantly having to move because of the fellows. Sick bed romance and crime solving. Nice. Those are my tropes. All right, Clayton, what has you swooning this week? Well, <laughs> so it's Taskmaster season again. So Taskmaster <laughs> season three. Series 13 is out, and this show I love. It's one of those shows that never fails to make me feel good. It's just mostly British 
European comedians doing funny tasks on television, getting frustrated, acting the fool, and it's all in good in good humor. And this isn't my favorite season so far. I mean, last season was spectacular. This cast is growing on me, but mm-hmm. I don't love anybody. But the format of the game always makes it worth a watch. So I'm swooning about Taskmaster Series 13. Nice. Aaron, what has you swooning? So I have two. So the first is I uh, was am lucky enough to have uh, been able to read the Sarah McLean's newest book, Heartbreaker. I'm actually halfway through it. I had to stop to read this book, which obviously this book was wonderful. I'm excited to get back to finish Heartbreaker. It is absolutely phenomenal. It's the second book in the Hell's Bells series. Um, and it is... It's just so good, and it is also kind of a mystery of a book. I uh, and done really well, and very sexy, and all the things that you love from McLean. It's not coming out until August, I believe. Um, but just pre-order it now because you're going to want to read it when it comes out as soon as possible. And so, just do yourself the favor of pre-ordering it, and then you won't have to worry about ordering it when it comes out. Um, Am I giving anything away to say, like, you sent me a small segment? uh Uh-huh. And is there a little something in there for me? Literally, she wrote a scene for you, Clayton. We will be talking more about this book as it comes closer to release date. I promise you. We're going to try to have Sarah come on the podcast. Clayton, you're definitely going to read the book. Oh, yeah. Things are going to be happening. Um, but I just wanted to say to kind of tease you guys that it is everything you're, you you want it to be in more. So definitely uh, go pick it up. Or and just to be clear, now. it's not the first thing you would think I'd want. It's the second thing <laughs> I think I'd want. The first thing that you think Clayton wants is harder to pull off ultimately. Yes. But um, – but this one is 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 the second thing that you would think of. Yeah, it's so funny because I think there's listeners from the beginning of this podcast will I think know exactly what I'm talking about. Other people will be confused, but yeah, that's that's on purpose, I guess. And then Aaron, you you have another swoon, and then I have another swoon. So yeah, my other swoon isn't as uh, as exciting or, or isn't as fun as the first smooth, but obviously. Um, we're recording this, uh, exactly a week ago was when we heard about the, um, the row being overturned. Uh, so it's been, it's been a tough week Uh, for me. I think for a lot of people, um, I was able to go to a a protest on Tuesday, which was really great, (laughs) uh, to be able to go and kind of see how many other people are angry and they've been a lot of protests. There's probably a protest near you. Um, this weekend, uh, May 14th. So if you, uh, want to, to, to look out for that, um, something that I've done for a very long time, but I think is even more pertinent is, uh, to donate to the national network for abortion funds. Um, I I've been donating monthly for about two or three years now, um, when you set up a recurring donation, you get sent a T-shirt, which is really fun. And then when you sort of renew your donation, you get sent a candle, which I just got, which is also really cool. Um, basically, this organization um, helps women who are in areas where abortion is currently very difficult to obtain and helps them with uh, with traveling to get this very necessary uh, health care. So... Um, if if that if you have been uh, trying to think of of what to do right now, um, and maybe protesting isn't for you, um, I think this is something that is is fairly uh, simple that has a very very high impact, um, and so and is a is is a great organization. So there are. Uh, the National Network of Abortion Funds. It will uh, donate to. It it can help uh, if you say that you want it for a specific area of the country. It'll send money there, or I do it kind of wherever it, the need is greatest, um, just for ease sakes. Um, but it's 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 very important and it's a very good organization um, that uh, that I think that you should look into. 
if that's something that you are interested in getting involved in, of course. Nice. Um, so, yep. Aaron, where can they find us? So you can always rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. It's how people find us. You guys are always really wonderful at writing reviews. So I appreciate it. Um, we are on Patreon, like we said earlier. If you just go to patreon.com and search Learning the Tropes, you will be able to find us there uh, and join for $5 a month. Like we said, after three months, you get a sticker. Immediately, you'll have access to all of the content that we have on there. Um that is unique to the Patreon. Uh, we are on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop. Uh, we have merch, which is linked below. And then finally, if you want to just email us directly, you can email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. Great. So until next time, happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs> <laughs>